Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 74 of the Commando Voice. Today, I speak with the founder of Bloom's Pharmacy. Please welcome Michael Bloom. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. And uh, I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. I think that was a couple weeks ago now, so I'm a little late on that. Um, I always forget to like look ahead and see exactly when all of these episodes drop. So anyways, I uh, hope everyone had a good uh, small Thanksgiving. And um, as we look forward towards Christmas, um, hope everyone's getting well prepared for that. Um, today on the podcast, uh, I have the founder of Bloom's Pharmacy, which later became Mark's Pharmacy, uh, when Mike Bloom, or Michael Bloom, uh, but it goes by Mike, sold it to uh, Mark. So uh, if you remember back uh, to my earlier episode, um, episode 53, I had Mark, uh, Mark Fibs on and kind of heard his story, but then uh, Mike actually reached out to me and uh, was just actually suggesting some of his brother's um, some of his siblings that he was like, I think you should interview them because they'd be a great interview. And I emailed them back and said, well, yeah, I would love to do that. But actually, I'd really be interested in interviewing you um, because we got to hear Mark's side of the story and how he took over your pharmacy. But I'd really like to hear how you started it. So um, we got in touch and he said, yeah, I'd love to come on the podcast. So anyways, um, I got to meet up with him and uh, have a great interview. Uh, I love being able to hear kind of the whole story of things. So um, this is basically the prequel to episode 53 of the Commando Voice. So um, be sure you check this one out. But anyways, uh, yeah, it was great talking to him. Uh, he's been an Islander for a very long time. He actually now lives um, outside or off of Camano, but um, grew up on Camano. Um, his dad, his family had a lot of roots on Camano. And um, so anyways, got to hear his journey uh, as a pharmacist and how we started and how we eventually opened Bloom's Pharmacy. So anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Michael Bloom. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Command of Voice. Today, I'm here with the founder of Bloom's Pharmacy, which later became uh, Mark's Pharmacy. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Michael Bloom. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Brandon. All right. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Mike. Um, okay, I've got, I've got four brothers and one sister. I have a, a son, Patrick, and a daughter, Sarah. Uh, I have a son-in-law, Julius, and a daughter-in-law, Cecilia. Um, I have four grandkids. I'm married to Linda. And uh, my parents were Mel and Mary Bloom. Uh, my dad was... Uh, he was kind of active in uh, on Camino Island. He was a fire commissioner, I believe, and he was uh, active in democratic politics. So he was he was kind of uh, I think he was pretty well known out here. Okay. But uh, my dad, uh, he would uh, when he, whenever he'd meet somebody new, he would always uh, tell them, uh, "I'm Mel Bloom. I'm a I'm a Catholic." I'm a Democrat, and I'm a Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, uh, 
I would, whenever you do that, I'd say to myself, you know, it must be great to be able to uh, uh, have your identity, see your identity in, in such black and white terms. Because I never <laughs> did that. I everything was shades of gray for me. <laughs> but yeah, he he would just smile and just and he he just kept doing it. Oh, that's great. Uh, and I I live in Muckleteal. I've lived in Muckleteal for the last uh, forty-four years, but uh, I've. Uh, I got a beach cabin up at uh, here on Camino at, at a place called Monaco Beach. Okay. It's, it's on the uh, west side, and it's about a mile north of Cama Beach. And uh, uh, I grew up on a farm uh, in rural Arlington until okay. I, I was uh, uh, 15 years old. And uh, the farm was on the bank of the Stillaguamish River on the Jordan Road. It was an idyllic place to grow up. Nice. Yeah. Our parents, uh, they tried to run a dairy farm, but I guess the farm wasn't that profitable, so my dad saw a little ads uh, for a, a resort that was for sale here on Camino Island, and he thought that he would uh, uh, be a moneymaker for him. And uh, okay. so he bought this, bought this uh, Monaco Beach Resort. It was uh, uh, seven and a half acres and 300 feet of waterfront. And he, wow. he rented boats and uh, cabins. And uh, anyway, the, uh, <clears throat> um, the farm that I grew up on is now the River Meadows, um, the River Meadows County Park. And that's the place, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's no. the place where they hold the uh, Stillaguanish tri tribe holds the uh, festival of the river each year. Okay. And um, uh, my brother Greg and I go each year to, the, to hear the music and just to get the uh, feeling of deja, deja vu that we get when we go there. We, yeah. Uh-huh. And we just enjoy being in that space. Very cool. Um, yeah, like I said, I went to Arlington schools until I was 15. But, uh, you know, uh, I got a call one year for, from some, somebody that was holding a reunion of the Arlington High School uh, class. And I, they wanted me to come to the reunion. And I told them, you know, when I moved to Stanwood, I, I spent my three years of high school in, in Stanwood, and um, I, I really couldn't remember a single person. I don't, I don't know if it's just me or if that's the way our, our, our memories work. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Your memories are formed, I guess, uh, when you're that age, and, and my memories of the people in Arlington just, just, just kind of disappeared. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and uh, let's see, one interesting thing about the uh, River Meadows Park, it's a, it's a starting point for a lot of uh, float tubers. They go from, river, they, they park there and they launch there. And uh, like I say, it's a hundred acre park. And a uh, uh, couple, couple years back, my brother Greg and I, we said to ourselves, or we've been talking about it, I guess, for a number of years. We're, we said, 
Uh, we're get, we're getting old, Greg, and if if we uh, if we're gonna if we're gonna uh, float that river, which we always want to do, we better we better start thinking about doing it. So, uh, one August we got uh, we got our inner tubes out and uh, we started off from the river River Meadows Park, and about noon on a kind of a warm August day. Yeah, and uh, we got uh, about four hours later. We were getting cold, and the the uh, tubes were, were losing air, and we were reali we realized they were only about halfway to Arlington, and we got I was getting a little bit nervous, you know, and because uh, uh, we're a long ways from the road, but fortunately Greg saw uh, uh, a friend of his uh, sons was down by the river bank, and he. Uh, uh, he, we just paddled over to him, and Greg asked him, "Could you take us back to our car?" You know, and the guy, he had a, he had a, uh, uh, some kind of a vehicle there, and he took us up through the woods, and and we got back to our car, and that 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 was the end of our flute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah. Very cool. So, um, so you said you had uh, five siblings. Um, where are they now? Um, let's see. My brother Greg, uh, the brother that's uh, the next one, next youngest one to me. Um, he had a place up on um, here on Camino. We lived on Camino quite a few years. He lived before that. He lived in uh, kind of in uh, uh, the Kenmore area. And he worked at Boeing, but he um, had a place on five acres up on the north end of the island here, overlooked uh, Skagit Bay. Okay. But he was, uh, it bugged him because he couldn't get down to the water. And so he, uh, him and his wife, uh, Marianne, they sold their, their, um, they sold their house and they, they moved out to Monaco Beach. Okay. Where he grew up. And so he's got a, a beach place there and he can get to the beach and, that's what he wanted. Nice. Uh huh. And uh, my brother Phil is—he's uh, um, a Catholic priest, and he's uh, still active. He's—he's um, uh, he's, uh, the uh, the pastor at uh, uh, the St. Mary of the Valley in Monroe. Okay. And we give him a little bit of static because he's the only one of us that's still that's not retired. Okay. But he he just, he loves it, I know, and uh, he's he's uh, healthy and he, you know, he d does a lot for that community. Nice. And uh, let's see, my brother, next brother, uh, Lawrence. He lives in Seattle, and my brother Louis lives on. Uh, Lives at Monaco Beach too. He's probably lived there forty years. Wow. Okay. Uh huh. And um, uh, Louis, Louis's got a uh, uh, hobby shellfish farm down at the beach. Okay. And he's probably had that for ten to fifteen years, and uh, he's kind of, you know, over the years he's kind of per perfected his. Uh, is skill at uh, growing shellfish, mm -hmm. and so we always have lots of um, 
oysters, and that's the main thing he grows. But he's also trying to grow uh, manila, manila, manila clams and gooey ducks. Okay. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he'll, uh, he'll spend, uh, you know, when it's a nice day and um, it's a fairly low tide where he can get to his shellfish pots, he'll go down to the beach and he can spend uh, hours working on them, just uh, uh, shuffling the oysters around. The, he found, he's found that uh, they get the better, the better they get uh, water circulation, the better they grow. Yeah. So very yeah. cool. Uh, so he provides all of us with uh, <laughs> fresh oysters. All the nice. I was wondering if you guys profited from that at all. <laughs> uh, we did. And um, my last sibling is my sister Melanie, and she also lives at Monaco Beach. Okay. And uh, now her, she's got two kids, and her her son Conan, uh, he lives there, and her her daughter is her daughter Tonya. Uh, lives there, and they live within about 100 yards of her, and uh, uh, they, it seems like their plan is to uh, kind of take care of us when we uh, age, you know, when we're aging. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's nice, it's nice. That's uh, really cool that the yeah. whole family's really stayed together. Right. Um, uh-huh. in, in near, so. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So then, what got you started uh, or interested in uh, pharmacy? Um, let's see. I was uh, I started at uh, uh, Everett Community College. Okay. Um, I graduated in 1960, so I started then at Everett Community College, and uh, I was going to be an English teacher. Okay. But. Um, in the English cl- English classes, I, I never got anything better than a C. And in my s- science electives, I got A's and B's. So I thought, maybe I, maybe I should uh, rethink this. And But one day I was, uh, I was walking through the uh, student union building, and there was a, um, uh, the dean of the pharmacy school from the University of Washington was... Uh, was had a little booth set up in there, and he was re- trying to recruit students to come to the, the University of Washington uh, Pharmacy School. And so I stopped and talked to him, and uh, and I I kind of changed my mind about my career path. And when I when I the next uh, next year I I went to I enrolled at the University of Washington and uh, and uh, and went through the pharmacy pharmacy school. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's a pretty big shift there. It was. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very cool. So then, um, so you studied at UW then. Um, when did you graduate from there then? Uh, 1966. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And then where did you start your career then after you graduated? Um, I, when I graduated, I got a job at uh, a little chain, um, a, a chain pharmacy called the uh, House of Values. It uh, it was down in uh, the headquarters of it was kind of down in the Burien area, but I, I worked there for uh, a couple of years, and uh, then it I think it got bought out by uh, uh, Payless Drugs. Okay. And uh, then I worked there. I worked there for a total of nine years. And uh, yeah, that's. That's where I got started, and uh, 
Let's see, after that, um, I had a friend that was uh, kind of a pharmacy entrepreneur, and he got me, uh, we, we formed a partnership, and we we bought it, we found a store that was for sale in Montlake Terrace. Okay. And we bought the store and uh, ran that, I ran that for uh, for 10 years. And um, the building the store was in had a fire in it. Oh, no. And about, yeah, after about 10 years, it had a big fire, and the building was uh, not totally destroyed, but it uh, it was about, it would take about uh, eight months to, I guess, get back in business. Wow, and, uh, okay. To get back in business. So uh, so then I, I moved to a different different location, Molly Terrace, and uh, I was there for 10 years in that location. It was on 220th Street in Molly Terrace. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. So the place that you moved to then was that a the same store or was that a new new pharmacy? It was a it was a new uh, it was a new kind of a strip center in a oh the strip center had more traffic and uh, uh, yeah it was just kind of a newer part of town okay kind of developing part of town and it was uh, it was. Uh, it was it was good, you know. It was a good good business, and uh, but at uh, kind of the end of uh, ten years, I uh, the rent I could see everything that was going on with it. The the rent, the competition was getting more intense in the area, and uh, I don't know. I I just decided that that the, the op- it wasn't a long term. Didn't have long-term prospects for me, so I, I sold the uh, sold the the inventory and the, the prescription files to uh, uh, to uh, pay less. Okay. Uh, or maybe it was Rite Aid then. Maybe yeah, it was Rite Aid. Okay, I sold it to Rite Aid and I uh, went to work for them. And um, I was working there for oh, a couple years. Yeah. Okay. So it looks like um, you were kind of going back and forth between like working for like a, a bigger company and then working on your own, but you kind of flip-flopped back and forth. What was kind of, what were the benefits that you saw or felt for when you were working with like a bigger company versus um, what were some of the benefits you saw when you were really working on your own? Um, well, once I'd, uh, once I'd been a store owner, it was, it was... It was challenging to uh, work in a, a big corporate environment, but I I, I, w- I could do it. But uh, there was a the advantage was it was uh, security. Maybe it was was uh, was greater. And uh, I actually I would talk to different uh, pharmacists that I was working with um, in the years that I'd be working at uh, Rite Aid, and I'd say to them. Have you guys ever thought about uh, opening up your own business someplace? And uh, you know, with 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 few exceptions, the the uh, if it was a guy, he would tell me, "Oh no, I you know I kind of like to do that, but uh, my wife would never, uh, she would never sign a, uh, she would never sign for a loan, or uh, whenever I start a business, I'd always have to, you know, guarantee the loan with my house." Yeah. And uh yeah. Yeah. And uh the guys that I talked to would say uh 
their wife would their wife would never do that, and uh, my wife, on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> seemed like I would I would just uh, come up with these ideas and uh, and uh, I would just kind of put legal papers in front of her and, and she would sign them. <laughs> She she always she said that I asked I'd ask her later on, you know why did you do that? And she said, well, I just figured that uh, nobody could worry about uh, uh, worry about the success of a business or work harder on it than Mike. So so I I, would, I was uh, I just figured it would work out. Very know, cool. Tell me. Nice. <laughs> so I was grateful. So I I, I was grateful for that. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, I do think, um, actually, going back, the um, I, I interviewed Mark, um, who, who purchased it from you, and we'll, we'll get there as well. Um, but he kind of had a similar experience. After running Mark's Pharmacy for a while, tried to work corporate, and uh, really struggled with it, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just uh-huh. a different mindset, and I think well, that's, yeah. yeah. Once you're kind of used to making all the decisions uh, connected with the operation of the company, it's... it's difficult to go to go uh, back to uh, somebody else you know making the decisions and and uh, I don't know it just it's tough I mean anybody that's had their own um, business of any kind I think would have struggles with that but yeah yeah sometimes you have to do it but right it, uh, it, it can be done but it, it is difficult yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but from a from a customer interaction stuff like that are you do you um you still have some autonomy in interacting with customers of when they're picking up their farm when they're picking up their drugs and things like that like you're still interacting with the customers and deciding like or or at least letting them know like things about the medicines and oh yeah, yeah. um there's 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 uh there's a department of uh there's a pharmacy board that kind of controls what you need to do yeah. when you're uh, interacting with people about their uh, medicines, or especially if they're new med- medicines for them. Yeah. Yeah, you have to, you have to follow. Um, you have to follow certain um, laws. Yeah. Yeah, connected with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I think um, like we've had experiences where like we've been we've gotten looked at medicines and stuff like that when we picked them up or whatever. And like the, the pharmacist was the one who would kind of was like, you shouldn't necessarily be taking this and this at the same time or things like that. Like kind of double checking what the prescriptions were. Right. Um, did you get a lot of that at, um, in either spot? Uh, yes, I think so. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. You, you'll get, you get questions about that or, um, uh, people wouldn't ask so much, but, uh, I would tell them if it, if it was an important thing to know. Yeah. You know, or, uh, or I'd seen a problem with it before with the medicine. Um, yeah, I would be sure to tell people. Yeah. But I think their doctors maybe give them uh, some instructions too when they write the prescriptions. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, reinforce it if they haven't heard it. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. So then you were working at Rite Aid then. Where did you go from there? Did you, um, did you end up leaving there or, um, on your own, or what kind of happened there? Um, yeah, I was, at, I was working at Rite Aid. I was, you know, coming up to uh, Camino, 
here, I think, to visit my, uh, my mother. And um, I, I saw this little sign, you know, on, uh, at the uh, Camino Plaza that said uh, New Shopping Center. And, uh, and uh, there was a number to call there. And so uh, I took the number down, called, and I talked to uh, Tyler Meyer's dad. Okay. Uh, I think he was still involved in the, in the business then. And uh, I got to talking to him, and he said, uh, I told him I was interested in maybe starting a, a pharmacy business there. He said uh, they had done... Um, some uh, studies and it showed that uh, people really wanted a pharmacy out here in Camino. Yeah. And he said that he had uh, owned a pharmacy before and hired somebody to to operate it. And he said he he never explained it why, but he said it was an experience he he would never do it again. <laughs> and uh, so <laughs> I uh, uh, I told him well, I said I was interested in it and. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I kind of uh, talked to uh, some of my friends that owned drugstores at the time and told them what the area was like, how, how far, far away the doctors were, how many people lived on Camino and stuff, and if they thought it was, uh, thought, it, thought it could be uh, um, profitable to be out here. And... Uh, I think at the time there was about 15,000 people living on Camino. Okay. And, uh, you know, a couple, couple, a couple of my friends said that was enough people to support a, support a small pharmacy. And uh, so I, um, anyway, I, you know, mm, talked to my wife again. I put, I put the loan papers out in front of her, and <laughs> <laughs> she, she signed them, and uh, I got... Uh, I, I, you know, started, uh, I signed the lease there, and, uh, and when the building was completed, well, I, I, um, I started, uh, I started in business, and the, the kind of, little bit of an odd thing about it, the first six months I was there was, I was open just, uh, Monday through Friday. Okay. And, um. I felt like uh, I, you know, I needed I needed some extra money. I needed I needed money coming in, so I kept my job on the weekends at Rite Aid, and uh, and so yeah, for the first six months I was working seven days a week. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy, uh, that was, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, after okay. ap- after six months the business kind of picked up. Okay, yeah. but a lot of a lot of people told me that it it'll take uh, it'll take uh, six months a year before people even realize you're here. Yeah, yeah. The realtors, realtors, and other people in business said it. It just they can be right across the street from me and never never see never see you yeah. here in business. So yeah, yeah. It just takes that long for people to notice it. So, right. Yeah. So then, when um, when did you actually start the uh, Blooms Pharmacy then? Um, let me think. It was, uh, let's see. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was about uh, uh, 23 years ago, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. 23 years ago, yeah. Mm hmm. 
Nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the pharmacy really, uh, I expected it to be kind of a, oh, kind of a pokey little retirement type business. Yeah. And uh, it turned out to be anything but that. <laughs> I was so shocked at uh, how much uh, business I had. I had I really twice as much as I as I uh, thought it thought I would have, and it was uh, it was way more profitable than any pharmacy that I'd run before. Okay. Yeah, and I I, I was of course happy. Yeah. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> but but I was uh, yeah just uh, real surprised and yeah but things re- went really good there and uh, business wise and I'm grateful to the people on Camino for for supporting me. A yeah. lot of people uh, I, I attributed it to the fact that uh, I grew up on the island. Uh, I had some people that knew me from there, and a lot of people knew my dad, and they would come in the, into the store and say, I knew your dad, and uh, and uh, they would tell me stories about him, like um, your, he said your dad would, uh, uh, he would always show up, he, he called it his trap line, and he would drive around to different businesses, and uh, he would uh, he would just, uh, you know, call the BS with the, with the uh, the guys that were in the business, and he said we could we could almost set our clocks by it, by by the uh, what time he showed up, <laughs> and I listened to these stories about him, and I think, oh my God, they're they're talking about my dad. Uh, it's something I would never in a million years consider doing, you know, <laughs> and yet <laughs> they're talking about my dad here. So I don't know, but a lot of lot of, just a lot of guys told me that about stories about him, and then. Yeah, and people knew the name too, so that helped. Yeah, that helped. Yeah, it very did. cool. Mm-hmm. So, how did you, when you were getting started with those first six months and first year, how did you start growing the business? How did you start letting people know and stuff like that? Uh, I would, uh, I would advertise in the local papers. Um, uh, let me think. What else did I do? Um, let's see, uh, I think I, yeah, I, one of the, uh, one of my customers, he, he was on the board of the, uh, Camino Center, and he asked me if I wanted to be a board member on the Camino, at the Camino Center, and I said, I would, and, uh, so I think, you know, just from having, uh, contacts, uh, like that, getting to know people, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, that that helped. I yeah. think I think it did. And you know, it was a location where there was quite a bit of traffic because of that grocery store. Yeah. So people certainly would eventually see see your location and maybe say, "Well, this is closer than driving to Stanwood, so I'll I'll shop here." Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, and they're probably going to the plaza already to go get their groceries, so it's nice to be able to hit all of your stops in one spot. Right. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so then how long did you own and operate Bloom's Pharmacy then? Uh, I owned it for, uh, I owned it for 10 years, and uh, let's see, age 55 to 65, and when I got, when I got to got to 65 I I got to thinking um, 
uh, maybe I should start thinking about uh, some kind of transition here because, uh, you know, it was, it was if, if I wasn't there, the pharmacy was, was uh, it would fail. Right. You know, it would fail because, uh, you know, I had to be there. And, uh, and uh, I got to thinking, well, um, so far I've been lucky. So, uh, no, you know, nothing's gone wrong with me health-wise. And so, um, but I, I, it was in the back of my mind. Yeah. And uh, one time, uh, okay, uh, just unexpectedly to me, um, uh, Mark... Mark, Mark was a customer. You want to talk about that now? Yeah. Yeah. Mark was a customer at my store, and uh, I'd also known him from Muckleteal because he worked in a Everett Clinic uh, pharmacy in Muckleteal, and that's where I went to my doctor. So I would see oh, him. Oh, okay. I would see him in there, and I worked at a Rite Aid in Muckleteal, and so I'd talk to him on the phone uh, from time to time. So I got to know him that way, and then he moved to Camino, and then he was uh, he was a customer in my store. Well, one night he walked in when I was closing up. He said, I, w- I want to talk to you. And uh, I, I said, uh, okay, yeah, let me close up here and we'll talk. And so, yeah, it was out of the blue. I didn't didn't expect it at all. But he said if I was uh, considering uh, retiring and selling my store, well, to uh, to consider to consider him as a as a uh, as a buyer and. Uh, I told him, oh, man, I'll, I'll think about it for a couple months. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll talk to you. I, I, I talked to some of my other uh, friends that were uh, pharmacists, and uh, a couple of them told me, boy, an, an, uh, an offer like this, it doesn't come along every day. Yeah. So somebody just walking in and say, I want to buy your business. Right. And uh, so... Yeah, after a couple months, I I just decided I'd, I'd that uh, I'd show Mark, uh, yeah, all my all my uh, tax returns and business records and stuff, and see if he still wanted to do it, and he did. Nice. Uh huh. Very cool. So then, how how long did that process take for you guys start to finish? Was it over a couple years of like working out things and talking, or? Uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was more like months. Oh wow! Okay. I think, I, I think it took us more like months. Mark, uh, Mark, mm, let's see, he uh, he got the money together. I guess he got a loan. You know. Yeah. Uh, he uh, went into went into debt for that, and uh, anyway, he uh, paid me paid me for the business, and uh, and then. Um, Let's see, we had to do some legal things like uh, transfer licenses right. and stuff like that. And, and uh, Mark, uh, yeah, you, I think you asked in this uh, <clears throat> questionnaire, like, how long was the transition? And uh, how long, you know, actually, I only remember working with him a couple days. Okay. You know, and then uh, I was <clears throat> telling people, you know, I'm going to retire. And um, I remember a couple of guys, a couple of older guys, they told me, uh, I don't, I don't like this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't like what you're doing. I said, but, you know, but 
I want to retire right now. <laughs> you know, you know, so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, I uh, was in there working a couple of days with Mark, and and so get him acquainted with my uh, employees, and then I then I left. Uh, wow. Know, from then, I just, I just I just left. Yeah. So what was that like? I mean, it sounds like that's a pretty. Like it's it, that's a really fast turnaround, but it's even faster if you think about that you have this idea that you're going to be working for, you know, quite a bit longer before you retire and that, and all of a sudden within months of that to suddenly be retired. What was that like for you? And then what was kind of your plan going forward? Uh, it's a it's a you know the retirement is a milestone uh, event. Yeah, it's hard you know I, I mean it, it is you know especially for some people it's hard you know for me I really really liked what I was doing I yeah. really enjoyed it you know but uh, I wanted to uh, uh, do other things spend more time with my wife and uh, and uh, just not be responsible for the operation of a, of a business every day right that but after a couple of months you know it was uh, you know, you're sitting there, uh, kind of looking at looking at your uh, computer screen, thinking, "Well, <laughs> yeah, this isn't this isn't uh, you know, it it it's okay and stuff." Well, okay, but I would I had my in my house I had my own room, and I would tell other guys that were going to retire or were retired, you know, get your own room your own computer, your own records, your own everything, and get it where your wife doesn't have to walk, someplace where she doesn't have to walk through a room to see you kind of sit sitting there reading the newspaper and, uh, you know, and, uh, and kind of giving you, what are you doing today, look? Right. <laughs> or something like that. So anyway, I, did, I, was, I, had a, I took over my daughter's room uh huh. Yeah, she was married at the time. <laughs> I remember she she said to me, uh, uh, well, she said to her husband. I told her I was uh, taking over her room. That uh, she said to her husband, well, uh, I guess I won't. I guess I won't need that room anymore, right, honey? <laughs> right, honey? You know. <laughs> What every husband wants to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. So what what are kind of some of the things you've gotten to do since being retired then? Um, Well, uh, let's see. Uh, What I do now is uh, I I glean for the Edmonds Food Bank uh, two two days a week. I drive a van around and uh, pick up... uh, uh, donated food that the the uh, uh, food that they're going to donate to the they're all <clears throat> that they they donate to the food bank yeah and uh, they uh, and uh, let me think other days uh, oh I I listened I listened to my podcast like I I told you in the uh, uh, pre interview that I. I, I got a little iPod and I listen to uh, podcasts. So I only do it when I'm. I call it laying. When I call, I call it being horizontal. When I'm laying, laying down in bed. Usually okay. That's when I do it. 
but I haven't missed a single night for the last 10 years. Okay. Of doing that. So, uh, that's, uh, it's, uh, real relaxing and real and, you know, I find it real enjoyable. Yeah. My, my daughter loves podcasts too. And so she got, got me started on it, but I've, I've told some of my contemporaries about it, about, about this little hobby and, uh, and really, they just give me a blank stare. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but I, I do have a few converts, you know, people that have uh, picked it up and do it. Nice. Know, so, Very cool. Yeah. So I want to actually kind of switch a little bit. Um, because you were in the uh, pharmacy business and saw a lot of things like flu season, cold season, um, and I know they're not exactly comparable, but kind of looking at the current state of like COVID and stuff like that, what are your general thoughts of like um, what you kind of think is going to be like um, how it's going to progress and kind of where we are now? Um, well, I don't think we're going to get out of it until we get a good vaccine. It's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't think we're doing that great uh, controlling it. I mean, we're doing good, but Boy, the thing seems to be uh, seem to be so contagious that uh, yeah, uh, even though there's uh, quite a few people that have had it and probably are immune to it now, there's the uh, it's it's growing. It's uh, it seems like uh, what I hear and what everybody hears that it's growing. And uh, but I I do see uh, you know like everybody does, I see. Um, a vaccine right around the corner. I think as soon as that happens, well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be really, really in good shape. Yeah, we're, yeah, we'll, we'll be the country will be in good shape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, now, as a pharmacist, do you guys are you aware of like vaccine trials and all of that stuff? Like, do do the companies reach out to you and be like, hey, we're working on this new vaccine. It's coming down the line. We're probably this far out. Do you guys get contacted by any of that stuff, or does that just kind of show up as... They might do it because uh, they've talked a lot about the pharmacies were going to be doing a lot of the vaccinations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, I, d I don't know if, if they're really contacting the pharmacies, but I mean, they, they could be. They could be starting to set up a structure for that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, talking about the different vaccines out how you'd have to handle them, store them, and, and uh, you know, if you have to give more than once and all, the, all this, it could be happening. And yeah. I don't, I, I don't know that anymore. Yeah. So, so, yeah. 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 No, it's, it's been uh, something we've been, obviously, everyone's aware of and watching of is, you know, where it's at, how is it moving forward, stuff like that. Um, I've, I've heard different, you know, through headlines or reading articles, of like people that maybe possibly like they confirmed that they got it twice and things like that. Does that seem like that's more like an outlier thing, or do you think that that's could be a a pattern that this has? Oh, no, I I I I I don't think so. I think it's just uh, just maybe they didn't have a a you know they had a real light case of it, or I don't know why. They, yeah, they'd be. Uh, they'd catch it again, unless they just got a massive uh, exposure again, maybe that 
cause them to yeah. uh, cause their immune system to be overwhelmed and, and catch it again. I don't know. Right. Uh huh. That kind of seems like because it's, it's one of those things you know headline articles they're always trying to throw out like but guess what and so I felt like it's that's probably more of an outlier than the than the norm I would assume mm-hmm. um, but you know I'm not a doctor or pharmacist so I was just kind of curious on that yeah. so um, very good all right well I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions uh, the first one is what purchase of a hundred dollars or less have you enjoyed the most over the last three months um I have a uh, glass fly boat, a uh, 17 and a half foot boat, and uh, it's a kind of a, a famous Northwest brand, and uh, I've had it since 1981. And uh, probably in all that time, I've uh, had the same uh, lights, trailer lights and wiring on it, and I had it all, the lights all, the 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 wiring all spliced together and uh, <laughs> the lights didn't work half the time. I, my wife would be real irritated by it. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I bought uh, some new lights for it and I decided to uh, let Camino Marine uh, uh, put the uh, put the wiring in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that and that's where I store the boat in the winter time too, is at Camino Marine. So. Okay. So I'm real happy with that purchase. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. Um, pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. What would their first day look like here? Um, yeah, I, when I have people come here, uh, I take them, uh, I usually try to take them to the state park. Uh, I take them to uh, the Camino Hills uh, um, housing area. I think it's real, real beautiful up there with the beautiful views. And uh, I like to drive them um, down through uh, d- uh, Driftwood Shores. Cause okay. It's Driftwood Shores is, uh, yeah. Nice. Let's see. Before we finish the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Could I tell you, okay, we, we were talking about COVID. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, uh, I think for grandparents like me, it's uh, and my wife, it's uh, it's really hard, you know, because maybe we don't get to see our grandkids as much. Yeah. And um, yeah, last uh, on Halloween, my my wife kind of hit hit a wall on that because she's so used to spending the Halloween with uh, one or the other sets of grandkids, and uh, maybe both sets at the same time. And uh, she was uh, almost almost weepy, and she was uh, talking to me about how how she was uh, feeling so blue, and she said uh, it must have made an impact on me because I actually I picked up on it what she was kind of uh, telling me, and because uh, I was reading the newspaper, and she said uh, Mike must have really picked up on uh, how serious it was for her because I put the newspaper down and <laughs> started listening to her. But I, one thing else, uh, okay, my daughter-in-law, Cecilia, she came up with a way that we could spend uh, a block of time with our grandkids this summer. And what she did was uh, she had all four kids tested and then she isolated at our with all four of them, she by herself, at the uh, at our beach cabin, 
and the kids are uh, they're from they they range in age from seven to twelve. Okay. So they were there for two weeks with her, and uh, and she said, uh, okay, if we get the coronavirus, we're not going to get it from our grandkids now. You're not because so then Linda and I came after that, and we had two weeks with the grandkids. Oh. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we uh, we could uh, take them. Uh, take them in the boat over to Coopville like we like to do and yeah and uh, take them tubing and uh, and uh, just be with them for two weeks it was uh, it was great and yeah. kind of got you know kept us going and uh, let me think what else was I going to tell you um, uh, let's see it's about all about that and I want to talk, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, uh, living on Camino when I when we first moved out here to the resort, if you've if yeah. you got time. Yeah, no, okay. for sure. Uh, you know, there was a bunch of resorts out here. There was, uh, I think I wrote down, Mabana Beach, Cama Beach, Monaco, Sunset Beach, Madrona Beach, Camp Lagoon, Camp Grandy. Maple Grove, Tai Beach, and Indian Beach, all of them operating, you know, renting boats and uh, renting cabins, and uh, real, all of them were thriving. And uh, the fishing at that time was, uh, uh, it was different than now, because we, we could get out on the water and we could catch uh, true cod, Pacific cod, rockfish, salmon, sole, and smelt, and... Uh, and all those are in short supply now. I don't, wow. I, I'm okay. Not, I'm not sure why, but uh, uh, we had uh, the remember the customers at the at a resort. They would uh, all they seemed to care about was the salmon fishing, the clam digging, and uh, I don't remember anybody caring about crabbing at all. Really? Yeah, they didn't. Nobody had crab boss. Nobody. I never saw anybody catch crab. We didn't know anything about catching crab. It just nobody did it. And uh, uh, I think the reason all the resorts failed, well, at least a theory we had was that, uh, or people have, is that uh, when the freeways went in after uh, in the early '60s, people they no longer wanted to come to resorts. They wanted to uh, just, uh, just. They wanted to own their own property. Yeah. yeah they, and uh, they, they didn't, they didn't care because all the resorts failed at the same time. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, yeah. My parents, how they, they had the seven acres, and my dad divided it up into lots, and he sold them, sold the lots off over the years. Okay. To uh, kind of. Uh, help with the income for them yeah so nice mm-hmm. okay. okay yeah that's really interesting i guess i didn't like i know we have like kind of like mini resorts or like places you can stay now like on camera beach and stuff yeah but I, I wasn't aware of all the different resorts we had prior to that yeah and i, I, I want to tell you something about camera beach too uh I, when i was growing up i worked for uh, mrs stradley who was uh Muriel Riss's uh, mother I worked uh, taking care of her taking care of her garden area uh, but we um, 
Muriel was so protective of that 400 acres and a mile of waterfront that she owned uh, that uh, it was she was kind of legendary in that mm-hmm. regard. And but uh, I think we, all of us owe a great uh, a great uh, uh, deal of gratitude for what she did, taking care of all that property. And, yeah. And her daughters eventually arranged to leave it to the leave it to the state as a park. But uh, one story about how protective she was, My one of my brothers and I were out in a boat and we decided that uh, the fishing would be better down in front of Kama Beach. So we went down there uh, and we uh, kind of anchored right off the beach. And the Muriel came out and she knew who, who we were. Yeah. And she yelled at us to get away from her beach <laughs> and uh, I, I remember we were perplexed because we knew that when you're on when you're on the water you can fish any place you want but we moved anyway <laughs> <laughs> didn't want to take chances no we wanted to take chances that's right yeah. okay go ahead very cool all right who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that i should interview next um well, I, I'd like you to see if you can interview my brother, Phil, you know, Father Phil, and, uh, and also uh, Myrna Corcoran. Do you know who she is? That uh, sounds very familiar. She's the director of the uh, Camino Center uh, Duplicate Bridge Club. Okay. And uh, <clears throat> my brother Greg and I play there every every week every thursday and until the covid came yep uh, we couldn't any we couldn't play in such course close quarters anymore but she has been the director of the the uh duplicate bridge club for um i don't know i'll bet you 15 years or longer so i think she'd be a great interview okay we do very cool yeah all right, and lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard on Camino Island right as you're driving on, what would that say? I would say uh, Camino Island, you know, enjoy our, our scenic, uh, scenic roads, our, our public beaches, and, uh, and uh, our fresh air. Very cool. Uh-huh. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. You're welcome. All right. Enjoyed it. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Mike for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to CaminoCommons.com slash EP74. That's CaminoCommons.com slash EP74. Thanks for listening and see you next time.